the state of Tennessee is one of the few places where the sounds are just as breathtaking as the sights. Whether that's live music at an historic music venue, the crack of an open fire at a campsite in the wilderness, or hearing kids laugh as they explore what's right around the bend, Tennessee just sounds perfect. Start planning your trip at tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond, but at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Rev up your thrills this summer at Cedar Point on the all-new Top Thrill 2. Drive the sky on the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch vertical speedway. And for a limited time, get more fun for less with the Michigan Bundle for just $49.99. Exclusive to Michigan residents only. Get admission, parking, and all-day drinks for one low price. But you better hurry, because this bundle won't last long. Save now at cedarpoint.com. Ridiculous History is a production of iHeartRadio. Welcome to the show, Ridiculous Historians. As always, thank you so much for tuning in. Quick disclaimer at the top. We are a family show, but there are some parts of this story that are a little, shall we say, racy? What do you think? A little salacious, perhaps? A a lingering touch, maybe a little too long on the cheek. A little too familiar. Uh, It's true. Those Romans knew how to party. Let me tell you. Yes. Oh, oh, and I'm Ben. Oh, and I'm Noel. And I, I will tell you, we will in fact tell you uh, together along with super producer Casey Pegram. Are we talking like ridiculous history after dark right now? What's what's going on? Today, <laughs> yes. Guys? Yeah. Big yeah. time. This is like the Red Shoe Diaries of ridiculous history. Awesome. Mm-hmm. So we got David Duchovny on a beach mm-hmm. about to read one of our letters. Okay. Got yeah, it. it's true, folks. Uh, before we get into today's episode, you might be wondering, hey, guys, why did you decide to do uh, something a little more risque today? Uh, and that's because we are, you know... Um, we're dead set on on ruining our reputation. We just got famous. We got a write up in a Vanity Fair uh, that I initially thought described us as three famous shipwrecks because, <laughs> because I I just skimmed over it. <laughs> and uh, uh, shout out to uh, shout out to everybody who uh, wrote in and and let us know that. Uh, it was very kind. It must have been a slow news day at that publication of note, um, but. Uh, we we appreciate it, and we thank everybody who's affiliated with our show in this episode. But of course, uh, thank you, thank you again. I don't know. So it, it felt like maybe our next logical step now that we've reached the heights of <laughs> of something. Yeah, ne- yeah. I mean, no better time than getting a little minute notoriety than to torpedo your whole career uh, with a single episode and a single fell swoop. But also uh, regarding that Vanity Fair write-up, also shout out to Dressed, the History of Fashion, which also made that list of 10 history podcasts to check out. And honestly, there were some on that list that I was not familiar with, and I look forward to checking out myself. Yes, yes, 100% agreed and well said. So you might be wondering, how are these guys going to ruin their show for us today. Uh, Well, we're going to ask for some help from the ancients, from Rome. Uh, We are going to ask for some help from a guy named Emperor Tiberius. Now, in these are days of reality television, uh, being, you know, a a deranged shipwreck of debauchery is is a legitimate business and a lot of people uh do very well with it but this guy was putting in the work way before cable you know we don't get to use this word too often in modern english but this guy's debauched he is debauched 
He is twisted, uh, debauched, uh, a bit of a prevert, definitely exhibited some uh, some kinky behavior uh, as a uh, as a human being. Also, you know, uh, one in a long line of Roman emperors who were just not particularly great people. Yeah. Spoiler alert there. Uh, he preceded directly Caligula, one of our favorite debauched emperors. But he came by that honestly. Um, he had a pretty pretty great role model in, in the debauchery department. Uh, Tiberius was born on November 16th in 42 BCE on an area called the Palatine Hill. Um, he was the son of Tiberius Claudius Nero, who was a Roman Caster? How do you say this word, Ben? Q-U-A-E-S-T-O-R. I know Praetor. I don't know Caster. Is it Keister, perhaps? That would be appropriate. Yeah, that's a, it's kind of like a, a, a money man or a comptroller. Uh, mm-hmm. This is a general term for officials who had some sort of hand in or agency over public revenue and expenditure. So it's it's a good job if you can get it. This guy's full name, by the way, Tiberius Caesar Divi Augusti Filius Augustus. So you can see why they called him, you know, Tiberius or maybe Tybo or Big T for short. Wait, he had an Augusti and an Augustus? What's why? Well, that's a weird flex. Double Augustine, man. You know, uh, in the days before television, people had much longer names. <laughs> So, and also he's, he's royalty. Absolutely. Ben, it's really funny. I grew up in a town called Augusta, um, which is, you know, where the, the Masters Golf Tournament takes place uh, and also where James Brown was born and he lived nearby and, until he passed away. But it's funny. Every time I've met people not from Georgia, they always pronounce Augusta, Augusta. And I, I've always been kind of blown away by that because I'm like, have you not heard of Augustus? Like, it, it's, it seems like a weird stretch to, to assume that you, and it's a hard awe sound. Um, so just putting that out there is a, is a little bit of a weird uh, anachronism from folks not from, uh, from my neck of the woods. Yeah, like pronouncing Nevada or Nevada. Uh, that's a good example of that. I remember I was, um, I was in Ireland one time. And this cab driver who is a beautiful, shady dude. I want to write a story about him. He uh, he was like, you know, where I'm not going to do the accent because we're on air. But he's like, where where are you all from? And, you know, we said Atlanta, Georgia. And he goes, oh, yeah. Why? And I had never asked had somebody ask me why I lived like, why am I from there? And uh, and then he said, you know, I would never travel to Georgia except if James Brown was still alive. Because that's the thing about me. I'm Irish. I love James Brown and I love the Rolling Stones. And that's the only reason I would go to your state. But James Brown is dead. Anyway, here's your hotel. That was literally how he talked. Yeah, people love uh, people love some JB. Uh, it's funny. Um, there was a stand-up routine that uh, Chris Rock did uh, when he was performing in Augusta, and he referred to it, um, referencing the Masters and James Brown, as the whitest and blackest place in America. Um, <laughs> so I thought that was pretty clever. Uh, but but back to ancient Rome. Um, yes. As as we know, Julius Caesar, you know, got stabbed to death. Mm pretty brutally by the entire Roman Senate. They all had to have a hand in that. So it could be like a quorum of murder. So weird. Like, why don't they name, why did they name a salad after the guy? I I think we should be calling all knives Caesars now. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And and after this event, Rome was absolutely in disarray. There were these factions that emerged. Mark Antony on the side of uh, Caesar, like you know, trying to, to to I guess defend his honor or whatever. And Tiberius's family fought alongside Mark Antony. Uh, but then Octavian, you guys might remember Ben. I'm not sure if you watched this, but Rome on HBO. All of this was dramatized pretty beautifully. Not entirely sure how uh, uh, historical historically accurately, but it's a, it's a really fun show. Um, but Octavian was a character you kind of grew up with cause he was sort of a boy King. Um, and, uh, it turned in his favor, and then Tiberius and his family were essentially forced to flee, and they did that thing to Sicily, and that's when Octavian um, named himself Caesar Augustus, and he became the first legitimate, last well, I don't know if legitimate is the right word, but uh, the first in-name emperor of Rome, um, and then when Tiberius was three years old, Augustus, the new emperor, gave his family uh, a pass and granted them amnesty and they were able to come back out of hiding. They actually went to Greece after Sicily. So they were kicking it in Greece at this point. 
And so when Tiberius and his folks come back to Rome, Caesar Augustus, the, who was being advertised as the first true emperor of Rome at the time, he notices the family. Like Clearly, he likes them a bit because he, he allowed them to return. But it's a little bit sleazy because he's super into Tiberius's mom, Livia. As a matter of fact, he forces Tiberius's dad to give up the marriage in 38 BC, and he marries Livia. And he this makes Tiberius one of the emperor's adopted kids. So all of a sudden, he is going from like running to Sicily, running to Greece on the lamb to being the son of the emperor. So he gets all the bells and whistles that emperors get. His education is uh, much better than a lot of other, you know, uh, a, a lot of other people at the time, his age. He learns philosophy, rhetoric, battle strategy. He gets like every day with the emperor is like, uh, bring your kid to work day because uh, Augustus is like, hey, come, you know, uh, Tiberius, come with me to this parade. I want you to see how everybody loves me and how afraid they are. Uh, and, you know, uh, one day, maybe this will happen to you, little buddy. Oh, absolutely. And uh, it was destined to be so. Um, he really took a keen interest in those battle strategy lessons, which is definitely not something like the plebs would have access to. Uh, it was very much a package of education that was groomed specifically for a young ruler to be. Um, and he exhibited a lot of cunning in military affairs, and he fought in Gaul uh, and really made a reputation for himself as a military man. Um, and he started into a career of public service, I guess you could call it. I've always found Roman uh, leaders to not be in particular service to the public. A lot of it is very self-serving uh, and self-aggrandizing, but we'll call it civic career, right? Um, and so he uh, initially was kind of a friend of the people. He uh, defended and prosecuted uh, at court, which was, you know, with an audience in front of the Senate. Um, and he began to uh, kind of make some changes that were geared towards sort of helping the common uh, citizens. He reorganized the supply chain of grain um, and was able to kind of solve some problems with the way slaves were kept, which is not something that a ruler would typically like concern themselves with. Apparently in the slave barracks, there were really poor conditions uh, and free people were being detained there. Um, and uh, draft dodgers were often um, trying to pose as slaves, which is interesting. And he put a stop to all that. Um, and he really started to ramp up uh, his career as a politician. Um, what did we say it was again, Ben? Keystore? K-Store? K-Store. K-Store, K-Triste. He became a K-Store, a Praetor, and ultimately a consul uh, at a very, very ripe young age and was given a tribune to oversee for a period of five years. And this is a, a great resource on thoughtco.com um, mm -hmm. that gives us some nice background we're using on Tiberius. I'd like to also give a shout out to uh, historycollection.co, which talks about the, the rule of Tiberius. Now, you know, there are a lot of circumstances that lead him to become emperor. And I don't know about you all, but I'd like to get to the good juicy stuff with his reign. So uh, let, let me just give you what they call the high level download in corporate America. Give it to us. <laughs> yeah, I've shaved and I'm wearing a suit jacket. So I feel like it's on brand to say that now. So he is now kind of in line for the throat. Maybe he's fourth in line, maybe he's fifth, but at that point, he doesn't have a real good chance of becoming emperor in normal times. However, these are not normal times. Uh, several people die, and every time someone dies, he moves a little bit closer to the throne, to ascending to emperor. And it's weird because eventually it becomes clear that Caesar Augustus was grooming another person to take over as emperor. Um, but this person, Agrippa, dies uh, when he's 50 years old. And so after a couple of other deaths, eventually Caesar Augusta has to go to Tiberius 
and, you know, officially adopt him to make him next in line for the throne with the following phrase, uh, not especially a loving father's phrase. He says, this I do for reasons of state. Oof, and I love you, my new son. Or what is it? New grandson? Nephew. Yeah, that's right. He didn't uh, add any of that. Yeah. No, he really didn't. I'm just trying to help the help the young lad out. Um, because obviously, I don't know, maybe it was uh him not feeling loved enough that caused him to become the monster that we will soon describe him to uh to have become. Um he was given uh tribunician powers uh, for ten years then and adopted his nephew, uh Germanicus, uh to be his heir. This episode of Ridiculous History is brought to you by Mint Mobile. You know, Ben, I got to say, one of the best parts about spring cleaning is that post-clean clarity you get where you're like, man, how have I been living like this? What's wrong with me? <laughs> you're right, Noel. It's, it's kind of like when you find out you've been paying a fortune for wireless when Mint Mobile has phone plans for 15 bucks a month when you purchase a three-month plan. It's time to switch to Mint Mobile and get unlimited talk, text, and data for 15 bucks a month. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash ridiculous. That's mintmobile.com slash ridiculous. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash ridiculous. $45 upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Top Thrill 2 is like no other course. Two 420-foot vertical speedways, three launches. All right, let's talk strategy. Copy that, driver. Go for maximum acceleration off the start. Measure that. You've got a short straightaway to push from 0 to 74 on the first vertical speedway. And what about the rollback? Rollback will set you up for an explosive reverse climb 420 feet in the sky so you reach 0 Gs in total weightlessness. 420 feet of straight-up speed. Let's get it. Top Thrill 2, the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch Stratocoaster. Get your tickets at cedarpoint.com. This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Noel, do you remember your favorite car? Well, yeah, um, it was a uh, an Eddie Bauer edition Ford Explorer. Oh, that's and cool. I, yeah, I, I just remember it was my dad's. I, I was a hand me down car kind of kid. Dad would buy a new car, I'd get that car, and I just remember feeling so awesome being up above everybody, like I was mm. in Mad Max or something. You know, I had a lot of uh, land yachts that I loved. I had Pontiac yeah. Bonneville. Right. Oh, I never had an El Camino. My dad had one. And that was a, that was a real interesting use of our collective time, keeping that thing running. But I think these cars all kind of speak to us because they were such a fundamental part of our lives. Do you remember when I had that Monte Carlo? That's what I meant. I, meant, I said El Camino <laughs> and I met Monte Carlo. I miss it. So uh, the Monte Carlo was tough. I had a series of Monte Carlos and the last one, God bless it. I just, I, I had to learn a lot about car maintenance just to keep that guy running. Totally. It, it still was like, uh, a perfect fit. It's almost like finding your true love. Uh, you know, like when you recently got a car a few years back now, Oh, man, and funny you should say that. That particular perfect fit was the Honda Fit, which I love dearly. But, Ben, it's getting a little long in the tooth. And while it's been incredibly reliable up to now, it's getting to that age where I might have to start looking for some parts here and there to keep it running. Mm -hmm. And that's where eBay Motors comes in. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, roof racks, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. So keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. So now he is, uh, now he's riding high, right? And he kind of just has to wait for his weirdly distant stepfather to die or adoptive father uh he goes off and he still fights battles because that's what he liked doing he's campaigning in what is modern day germany he's knocking down rebellions he's shoring up the borders of the empire now like as the emperor is getting closer to death he is getting more and more 
legal constitutional power that puts him on par with the emperor right. when Augustus dies. August 19th, 14 AD, they read his will. It confirms that Tiberius is the emperor and it all becomes official September 18th, just a few days later, 14 AD. And at first he's coming, he's like a sheriff in a wild west film. He's coming to clean this town up and he hates astrologers. That's my favorite part. It is. It is pretty funny. Yeah. But, but he had already kind of exhibited some of that stuff with the whole like, you know, helping with the grain distribution so people could be fed and, uh, you know, helping, you know, clear up conditions for the slave quarters and all of that stuff. Uh, may, I mean, that, that's not like the most magnanimous thing in the whole world. But the fact is he demonstrated that he kind of cared about normal people. Um, so he apparently had a real burning hatred for sycophants, uh, which is a word that I love because it just is fun to say. And obviously the that is a thing that a lot of these kinds of rulers are surrounded by. And he had no time for that. Um, so he uh, did not surround himself with yes men. He was very much in control of his own decisions. And he really tried to uh, check some of these just gross abuses and mishandling of uh, funds that had caused, you know, um, the lives of normal citizens to be really disrupted in favor of, you know, rulers living high on the hog. Um, as we know, there were uh, Egyptian connections with, uh, with, with Rome because of Mark Anthony and Cleopatra specifically. And so there were all of these kind of little cells, I guess, these Egyptian cults and also Jewish cults in Rome. And he disbanded those, uh, likely with a very heavy hand. And he also, like you said, Ben, he banished all of the astrologers uh, because he found them to be tricksters and, and not not trustworthy. Um, he consolidated the government, uh, the Praetorians, um, to make it more efficient. He quashed all of these riots and infighting, and he abolished something called the right of sanctuary, which I, I guess there's uh, parallels in kind of modern day geopolitics. But what, what do you take that to mean, Ben? So the right of sanctuary is, is this old, old concept. Of course, maybe, you know, it's kind of new at the time then. Uh, the idea is that if you're being persecuted by your own country, you can be protected by some other authority. Like that's why you have all those things from the Middle Ages or films that are set in the Middle Ages where someone's like, sanctuary, sanctuary. It dates back to this concept. I do want to say when we say Egyptian and Jewish cults, that's not a, that's not a, a pejorative term. Uh, they are occulted. You know, they're practicing things in secret. So he saw them as an avenue. Uh, uh, they have potential to be seditious. My last question with that one is, did the astrologers see it coming? Uh, is, is that rude to ask? I don't think they saw it coming. I, I highly doubt it myself, Ben. And so then, you know, he was seen as being kind of progressive, you know, in terms of some of the uh, the laws and the policies that he enacted uh, and seemed to be kind of uh, helping the, 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 the nation. Well, it was Rome, the empire. That's the word. Um, helping strengthen their navy. Um, he stopped gladiator events, which obviously uh -huh. were hugely popular. And I'm sure that didn't go over particularly well. But as we know, I mean, it's an absolutely barbaric situation where slaves and, you know, prisoners are forced to fight to the death for the amusement of, of the uh, the people um, and also mainly the the uh, hierarchy. Um, and he even like eschewed this idea of having a month named after him. So he seemed to have a little bit of humility. He was not into extravagance and all the trappings of the office. So start started off kind of strong, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, also good. I will say objectively good call and stopping gladiatorial things. That's the, there were animals that were hunted to the state of critical endangerment. Um, I'm just pro animals, anti gladiators, I guess. Yeah. This, this seems set like he's clearly authoritarian. He's clearly trying to stop what he sees as hedonism, right? Uh, this all changes. In AD 23, his beloved son, Drusus, dies, according to contemporary reports and reports that, uh, you know, uh, were written long after his reign. This is seen as his, his tipping point. Uh, there's a, a source called Cassius Dio who says Tiberius now became increasingly paranoid and bloodthirsty and cruel, and he was showing some signs of what we would call cognitive dissonance today. He would torture slaves to death, and then he would 
mourn people who died after he ordered their deaths, but then he would resent the people who he didn't purge. Uh, this like, imagine what a minefield that is, because it sounds like he's having some dithering, some indecision. He's like, man, I should have killed Kester number two. Why are you alive? Number one? I knew it was you. Uh, you've committed some weird crime. Uh, this is clearly going to have some blowback. He becomes incredibly unpopular with the Senate who are the people he has to please. And with the people like the actual people of the Roman empire. Absolutely. I mean, because he's definitely going after some wealthy landholders and people that are very influential with members of the Senate. Um, he's just doling out all of these really harsh punishments and confiscating people's property. And then he just kind of ups and leaves in 26 CE. He's like, peace out. You know, I'm gone. And he takes off to Capri. It reminds me of uh, that part in The Sword in the Stone where Merlin's like, blow me to Bermuda, you know, and then he's out and he's gone and he just pieces out to Bermuda and then kind of comes back at the end to sort of like set things right or whatever, or at least let Arthur come into his own. That That is not what happens with Tiberius. So he goes to the island of Capri, which uh, is a beautiful place. It's still a very swanky uh, destination for the rich and powerful today. But he completely became like this hermit and he assigned control to uh, Lucius Aelius Sejanus, um, who was the captain of, of his Praetorian Guard. Uh, and he gave him this name, Socius Laborum, which means partner of my labors, which I guess is <laughs> sort of like the idea of, oh, what would you call that, Ben? Like, um, what do you call someone that kind of rules in uh, while well, someone else is uh, maybe not doing well or like under the weather, like health wise? Yeah. Power behind the throne. You could also say um, a regent, perhaps. Regent, regent yeah. is perfect. Yeah. That's the one I was trying to think of. Yeah. So Tiberius, when he does this, he, he seems to completely withdraw. I like that you bring up the phrase hermit. He is a recluse. He's in the island of Capri, Bay of Naples. But this is where it gets weird. So younger listeners, family listeners, be warned, this might not be appropriate for everybody. According to a source named Suetonius, who is also um, kind of like a TMZ kind of questionable coverage. Sure. Yeah. Tiberius went nuts in the worst way and became an example of a lot of the things that he originally fought against. Uh, here is an excerpt from Suetonius's Life of Tiberius. And all the he's refer to Tiberius here. On retiring to Capri, he devised a pleasance for his secret orgies, teams of wantons of both sexes, selected as experts in deviant intercourse, and here's my favorite part, dubbed analist. <laughs> I first read that analysts and now I realize that is not what it means at all. <laughs> That's such a we're like 9 years old. That's such a weird word. Anyway, so they he said they copulated before him in triple unions to excite his flagging passions. It's it, this is a long quote. You want to help out with this part? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, it's better. And now this is referring to, by the way, he built all these villas, uh, and the most elaborate of them was called Villa Jovis, which I believe uh, translates to the Villa of Jupiter, which was a an absurdly ostentatious palatial kind of estate um, on the island of Capri's northeast corner. It goes on to uh, say in referring to the bedrooms of Villa Jovis, uh, they were furnished with the most salacious paintings and sculptures, as well as with an erotic library, in case a performer should need an illustration of what was required. <laughs> then, in Capri's woods and groves, he arranged a number of nooks of venery, where boys and girls got up as pans and nymphs, solicited outside bowers and grottos. People openly called this the Old Goat's Garden, punning on the island island's name because the Romans referred to Capri as Goat Island. It's so, so, so gross uh, because, all right, well, our, our path is set. Let's keep going. You know, of course, we, we know that Pan, the satyr, uh, is the Greek god with the uh, bottom half of a goat and, uh, or, I don't know, he's got the hindquarters of a goat and he's right. got the horns. And these were thought to be you know, symbolically, they were re um, representations of uh, physical desire, of uh, sexual passion. And so 
this is something that Satorius is definitely leveraging to make Tiberius seem like a super horny old man. Uh, but this is this is one of the weirdest ones. So he completely is not doing his job as emperor. No. Instead, according according to this story, he is getting so weird and specific with his pursuits that that he's doing things that probably wouldn't occur to most people in the world at the time. Who else would have thought of training children, little boys, to act as nipping mo- minnows or what he called uh, tiddlers, I believe, to chase him when he went swimming? Yeah, that's gross. It's it's beyond gross. And just to just to take it one step further. Oh, um, yeah, they were nipping minnows because he would be swimming, I'm imagining, in the nude and they would swim after him, nibbling between his legs um, so yeah, no one uh, from the court was allowed to visit him on Capri. He was in complete quarantine, uh, you know, self-imposed, um, with this harem of, of young boys and women and girls and just having a good old time. Um, there were even, you know, local fishermen who were in that region, uh, they were not allowed to fish in the waters of Capri. If they were found to be doing that, they would have hell to pay. Yeah. And, uh, he, he turned the place into his own deranged, uh, pleasure Island. So how did he get away with this for so long? He was distracting the Senate, which is something a lot of Greek and Roman emperors did, you know, the whole bread and circuses vibes. He was distracting the public, uh, by his clearly deteriorating mental state, his sexual deviancy, by building statues all over the city and distributing all this propaganda, right? And he was so busy, though, with his weird fetishistic stuff that he did not notice the same person he was trying to keep in power was, of course, plotting against him. And then when he figured out that treason was in the air, you know, he uh, presumably put some clothes on, Right, you know, uh, maybe dust dried himself off, took off whatever weird costume he had on, <laughs> and he said, "I've got to go to Rome." Uh, get ye to Rome, uh, and he did that in AD thirty one. He uh, summoned Sejanus, who was his his buddy uh, up until this point, to a Senate meeting. Immediately condemned him to death, um, accused him of treason, and it's not like they tried him or anything. They just the accusation alone was all it took, uh, and had him executed along with anyone that was associated with him or his plot to overtake uh, Tiberius uh, as the ruler. And then, I mean, that wasn't enough. He, you know, that uh, paranoia that we described earlier, this is really coming into play because he goes on an absolute murder frenzy. Um, And Tacitus, who's another historian, describes it as such. This is wild. Executions were now a stimulus to his fury, and he ordered the death of all who were lying in prison under accusation of complicity with Sejanus. There lay singly or in heaps the unnumbered dead of every age and sex. The illustrious with the obscure, kinsfolk and friends were not allowed to be near them, to weep over them, or even to gaze on them too long. Rev up your thrills this summer at Cedar Point on the all-new Top Thrill 2. Drive the sky on the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch vertical speedway. And for a limited time, get more fun for less with the Michigan Bundle for just $49.99. Exclusive to Michigan residents only. Get admission, parking, and all-day drinks for one low price. But you better hurry, because this bundle won't last long. Save now at cedarpoint.com. This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Noel, do you remember your favorite car? Well, yeah. Um, it was a uh, an Eddie Bauer edition Ford Explorer. Oh, that's and cool, I, yeah. I, I just remember, it was my dad's. I, I was a hand-me-down car kind of kid. Dad would buy a new car, I'd get that car. And I just remember feeling so awesome being up above everybody, like I was mm. in Mad Max or something, you know? I had a lot of uh, land yachts that I loved. I had Pontiac Bonnevilles. Yeah. Right. Oh, I never had an El Camino. My dad had one. And that was a, that was a real interesting use of our collective time, keeping that thing running. But I think these cars all kind of speak to us because they were such a fundamental part of our lives. Do you remember when I had that Monte Carlo? That's what I meant. I, meant, I said El Camino <laughs> and I met Monte Carlo. 
I miss it so. Uh, the Monte Carlo was tough. I had a series of Monte Carlos, and the last one, God bless it, I just I I had to learn a lot about car maintenance just to keep that guy running. Totally, but it, it still was like a a perfect fit. It's almost like finding your true love. Uh, you know, like when you recently got a car a few years back now. Oh, man. And funny you should say that. That particular perfect fit was the Honda Fit, which I love dearly. But, Ben, it's getting a little long in the tooth. And while it's been incredibly reliable up to now, it's getting to that age where I might have to start looking for some parts here and there to keep it running. Mm -hmm. And that's where eBay Motors comes in. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, roof racks, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. So keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hey, Noel, have you ever wanted to wake up to something better? Oh, boy, have I ever been. <laughs> well, uh, this is where Avalon Waterways comes in. How does waking up to a medieval castle, an ancient cathedral, a rolling vineyard, or a charming cobblestone village sound to you? Well, here on Ridiculous History, that's right up our street, Ben, our charming cobblestone street. So I can say it sounds pretty good to me. You're absolutely right, Noel. Avalon Waterways has redefined cruising in so many different ways. They've got the uh, widest opening windows. They've got beds that face the passing scenery. So wherever you go, you have a front row seat to the views of the world. And not only do you wake up in the best staterooms in the entirety of the business, but you're waking up in a new port every day, right in the heart of these amazing historic cities. Ah, Ben, sign me up. Open your eyes to a better view and a different kind of cruising. One with smaller ships, bigger experiences, fewer people, and more of everything. Limited time special offers await at avalonwaterways.com. And so Tiberius really shoots himself in the foot here, way before the invention of firearms, obviously. Uh, you see, Sejanus, the person who was doing all the work and the person he supported, and then the person who turned against him that he later executed, uh, Sejanus had been taking the brunt of public blame for the emperor's weird, disturbing excesses. But when he was gone, when he was killed and out of the picture, the blame for this rested solely with the guy who was responsible, Tiberius. The empire continued to run on. It's a huge machine. But for the remaining six years of Tiberius's life, he was terrorizing Rome. The Senate, which was famous for infighting and betrayal and subterfuge, the Senate was scrambling uh, just like any congressional body or parliament, to agree on something. They needed to name a successor. And then Tiberius, at this point, is so far gone, he's convinced not only has Sejanus betrayed him or was planning to overthrow him, but he thinks Sejanus killed his kid as well. And so he sends out these spies. Like you, like you had mentioned in that quote, no one is safe. Even people who are on Capri are not safe. He's sending folks out for them. And eventually, just like his adoptive father, he takes an L and he says, I'm going to have to name some successor. So I'm going to name one of my adopted grandsons. He names his grandson Caligula successor. Mm. And then he says, I am nursing a viper in Rome's bosom. <laughs> Ha-ha! <laughs> Fun! <laughs> right? Uh, and then, you know, he gets into, like, a, a, an accident during kind of a ceremonial joust, I guess is what you could call it. Um, and that really caused his health to take a turn for the worse. He fell into a coma, and uh, the physicians that attended to him, you know, said he would, he would he's a goner. He's going to be dead within, like, a day or so. Uh, Caligula's called for, the Praetorian Guard, bend the knee to him and the Senate officially proclaims Caligula to be the supreme emperor of Rome. You think they added the supreme just to give it a little more of a, of a flex? Yeah, you got to flex on him. But wait, there's a womp womp moment here. This is a very Larry David moment because uh, Tiberius doesn't die. <laughs> he wakes up and he's like, boy, I'm hungry. Uh, cook me up something to eat. Uh, people are panicking. You know, this guy, now we can't have two emperors. That's not how emperors work. 
Uh, so history sometimes, very rare times, it turns on the actions of a single individual, which should be inspiring and terrifying in equal parts. One person changes the course of history. The new captain of the Praetorian Guard, Macro, which is a cool name, um, <laughs> Macro, slips into Tiberius's chambers. Again, he probably would have survived for a few more years. And uh, he smothers the elderly former emperor to death. Yeah, with a pile of blankets, which is kind of a step up from the usual hospital bed uh, pillow smothering. But it's interesting, Ben, you know, it, you got to think, too, that this was in many ways a kind of self-preservation move on Macro's part because he knew that if uh, if uh, Tiberius found out that he and his entire guard had already sworn fealty to, um, you know, to Caligula while he lay there in a coma, he would not have been very happy about that. And with his crazy rages probably would have done something bonkers, like had them all killed or uh, removed or imprisoned or something, right? Yeah, that's a really good point. You know, um, regicide is a great crime, the killing of a, of a king or a royal. Uh, but the more I think about it, maybe Macro was trying to save the empire because, you know, at this point, Caligula is clearly depraved, right? Uh, but uh, he doesn't have the track record of insanity that Tiberius has uh, before he dies under that pile of blankets at the age of 77. So maybe Macro, maybe Macro deserves more credit as um, in terms of his intentions. What do you think? I think you might be right. He chose the lesser of the two nutcases in this particular situation because Caligula still hadn't had access to all of the resources that you do when you become the supreme emperor. Uh, so if you guys have ever seen the purely pornographic uh, film Caligula starring Malcolm McDowell, which I believe was produced by a porn impresario, uh, possibly, pen, it wasn't Penthouse because that, no, it, pen, it was Penthouse because Hustler was Larry Flint. Um, I believe it was the publisher of Penthouse Magazine. Uh, and that is a film to check out. It is uh, absolutely depraved. And some of the set pieces are nuts. There's one where he's taking out all his uh, enemies and rivals um, by burying them up to their neck in uh, sand. And then there's this crazy, like, giant thresher lawnmower type machine that, like, slices all their heads off, like their little cabbages above the ground, and it just lops them off. Don't know how historically accurate that is, but. Uh, definitely a film worth checking out if you want something completely trashy. Oh, I do. I do want to add. So this this is the depraved reign, the debauched reign of Tiberius. But we do want to add. Um, I think I teased this at the top of the episode. Oh yeah, I know what you're getting at. Yeah, we these stories are red meat, right? They're juicy. Uh, they're they're fascinating, but they might they, they might not be a hundred percent true because you might be thinking fellow ridiculous historians, when you're listening to the, this episode, uh, might be thinking, wow, what gives with all these uh, perverted, bizarre, depraved emperors in the Roman Empire? Well, some of these might be tabloid stories. We have to take them with a grain of salt. Uh, we have to remember that a lot of these people who wrote these histories of emperors after they died, they were living under the rule of another emperor. <laughs> And so it's not the best move to be like, you know who was way cool? That guy before you, you know? Yeah. And, and you got to think like, yeah, they're trying to curry favor directly, but also they know which side their bread is buttered on. Uh, and they may well have been slipped some of these details and said, you will write of Tiberius that he had young catamites swimming after his bits and behaving as tiny minnows, you know, in a mm -hmm. orgy-esque, you know, situation on, on Capri. Um, so, you know, who, that sounds so bonkers that it's just crazy enough to have literally been made up by somebody. Because it's like, if I had to make up something just completely untrue, uh, and that would get people's imagination spinning. That might be a go-to. Yeah, as as someone uh, who was recovering from doing massive amounts of improv back in the day, that sounds like a setup that you arrive at when a bunch of people are just brainstorming, and they're like, what's even weirder? What's even weirder? No, 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 no. Now, now, um, this kind of... Uh, depraved sexual behavior is disturbing, but let's get, you know, let's get weird with it. Let's throw a pool in there, right? Somebody yes and me on this one. That's, that's almost how it reads uh, because you'll see other reports that say Tiberius actually 
when he lived in exile on Capri, he just lived with like a, a small group of people that were his friends or entourage. And he hung out and talked philosophy with Greek intellectuals. So the real truth is probably somewhere in between. There's also an account from Edward Togo Salmon that says only 52 people were actually accused of treason throughout his entire reign and that only about half of them were executed and uh, only four innocent men died, apparently. Um, and, and here's the thing, um, you know, the system of government is really more to blame, you know, even as crazy as a ruler can be, it's the system of government that's kind of what empowers them to get that crazy, whether it's the Senate or whether it's just, you know, the uh, the nature of, of an empire in the Roman system and that it wasn't merit-based at all, that it was all about succession. And so you would get these like, you know, it's the same with, with uh, royalty. I mean, you, you end up with these like completely underprepared and potentially mentally ill rulers because... Nobody has a choice but to elevate them to that position because they are in line. Yeah. On various other shows, I've, I've made my opinions about monarchical systems known. We don't need to go into them today other than to say I am 100% on the same page with you. Even in our system, you you have a big problem a lot on uh, stuff they don't want you to know about nepotism and about like, you know, dynasties, political dynasties, which is kind of a modern version of this same kind of business in a lot of ways. Yes. Yeah. All right. I'll say it. I'll say it. I'll keep it brief. This is not going to be a TED talk. But do you know how weird it is to explain to uh, my friends who are not from the states and they say, oh, OK, so this is a democracy, a republic, a meritocracy. That means that the most qualified person gets the job. And I'm like, yep, that's what that's what it means. Every, uh, you know, every, every few years we elect the uh, the best and brightest of all 323 million something of us. And then they always hit me with that question. If that's true, how come so many presidents have had the same last name? How come they've been in the same family? I thought you said it wasn't a monarchy. At which point I'm like, oh man, well, you know, there's a lot lost in uh, the the chasm between theory and practice. Anyway, let me show you this landmark. It's called Stone Mountain. <laughs> <laughs> Oof. Yeah. The fact they haven't sandblasted that baby yet uh, is, is kind of lost on me. But, you know, history. got to preserve history and all that. And speaking of preserving history, if you want to take a, a pleasure cruise to the island of Capri, you can do so from Naples and check it out. And the uh, ruins, I guess, of the, uh, the villa where Tiberius supposedly carried out all of these debauched activities is tourable. Um, it's a bit of a walk. I think it's a couple of uh, kilometers uh, from where you get dropped off but it's it's accessible and probably a very interesting uh interesting hike and in conclusion we hope you enjoyed today's episode folks uh we do have to say to be fair uh that while clearly we're we're having fun taking in my mind 100 valid pot shots at the problems with roman government and the empire in general uh they are in a large part responsible for some incredibly profound scientific and cultural and philosophical advances uh, that are that remain important in the world today. So I'm just I, I feel like we have to say it, but still Tiberius it makes you wonder what leaders can get away with, you know, um, not to say there aren't uh, leaders who are bawling out in very strange, depraved ways today. Kim Jong-un, the Sultan of Brunei, Donald Trump. <laughs> the, just, yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah, just, yeah the, I mean, the um, uh, a lot of ruling members or of the uh, House of Saud in the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia. History is not as as far gone nor as uh, uh, distant as I think we would like to think sometimes. Uh, so maybe Tiberius is a lesson that applies in the modern day. Maybe we could just call it, hey, don't hire your nephew. <laughs> I don't know. Absolutely not. Especially your like, you know, like Damien from the Omen type nephew, you know, no, that, that just read the signs, read the room. Not a good idea. But man, I, I got to say, Ben, the, as, as, as uh, upsetting in some ways and depraved as this episode was, I really enjoyed uh, talking about this with you. Mm. Yeah, agreed. I'm also grateful that we have instituted our own form of government for ridiculous history early on. I cannot remember if we were talking about this on air or if we were at a happy hour at a bar back when people went outside, but there was a time where we decided to elect Casey 
<laughs> as our ruler. I think you're the only man for the job. Casey, are you okay with this? Uh, heavy weighs the head that wears the crown. Uh, I, I don't feel like I'm really cut out for uh, for ruling, but if it's thrust upon me, I guess I'll do what I can. Oh, we be thrusting. It is thrust <laughs> upon you. Uh, in, you know, in pure, in pure Tiberian style. Oh, boy. Thrusting uh, on Casey, which can we start calling you the K-Store? Sure. I love that. K-Store Casey? K-Store on the K's? K- okay, I'm going to stop. We'll get there. We'll get there. We'll workshop it. Thank you, as always, for tuning in. Thanks, of course, to our research associate, Gabe Luzier, who I know... We'll on always the books. Say, on yeah, the books. It's on the books, though, now. It, it is actually happening. Gabe, thank you for uh, pe- penciling us in. <laughs> I think we're such fanboys of this guy. I hope it's not too awkward. Uh, no, no. Can, can we tease us a little bit? Just yeah. saying that we're going to talk about psychedelic cats. Mm-hmm. Nobody Google that. Don't ruin this for us or yourself. It's going to be a wild ride. Uh, and of course, thanks to our, our good pal, Christopher Hasiotis, due for a return appearance. I would say also Eve's Jeffcoat. Uh, and, oh, you know what? I never, I, I forgot to, I forgot to write back to Jonathan Strickland, a.k.a. the Quister. That one's on me. What do you mean write back? We don't communicate with him in advance of his appearances. He just kind of materializes. I like to write him some, some kind of like, personal digs and insults because I think it just to get his dander up yeah <laughs> yeah for sure yeah. for sure uh, huge thanks to Alex Williams who composed our theme uh, thanks to super producer Casey Pegram K-Store Casey on the Casey case how about that there we go yeah and uh, thanks of course to our our good friend of the show and personal friend Sarah Kotenoff who initially tipped us off about that write up and uh, Noel as always thanks to you yeah, thanks to you too, Ben. And just really quickly, thanks to Justine Good, who wrote that nice list for Vanity Fair and uh, and thought to include us. It, it, it means the world. Uh, we'll see you next time, folks. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Top Thrill 2 is like no other course. Two 420-foot vertical speedways, three launches. All right, let's talk strategy. Copy that, driver. Go for maximum acceleration off the start. Measure that. You've got a short straightaway to push from 0 to 74 on the first vertical speedway. And what about the rollback? Rollback will set you up for an explosive reverse climb 420 feet in the sky so you reach 0 Gs in total weightlessness. 420 feet of straight-up speed. Let's get it. Top Thrill 2, the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch Stratocoaster. Get your tickets at cedarpoint.com. This episode of Ridiculous History is brought to you by Avalon Waterways. Ben, are you in major need of a vacation right now? Noel, you're a mind reader. I am, and uh, aren't we all? We are. While cruising remains popular, there's something big happening in the industry, and that is, my friend, smaller ships. True story. The intimate ships of Avalon Waterways can go where the big ships can only dream through winding passageways, rolling vineyards, and castled hills into the heart of timeless cities and storybook villages. That sounds like a delight. See how Avalon's smaller ships promise greater discoveries, fewer people, and more of everything. Limited time. Special offers await at AvalonWaterways.com. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.